morning, my dear brothers and sisters. Greetings in the name of our wonderful Lord Jesus. I bring you greetings and Brazilian hugs. Now I know from you, for you brothers and sisters from China, that means you, you need to do carefully, right? <laughs> but uh, maybe for today we could make an exemption. Yeah? We can just be free to hug. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. This morning we want to uh, fellowship about some wonderful verses in Romans chapter 8. We want to focus our hearts on the last section in this wonderful chapter. Someone has suggested that the Bible is like a ring. And the letter to the Romans is like this, the diamond in the ring. And my observation is that the chapter 8 is like the sparkle of this diamond. So, uh, we're just going to focus our hearts on the verses 31 through 39. And trust our Lord to use it to speak to us. So let's read both in English and in Portuguese and Chinese. And our brother will speak the Chinese. Verse 31 of Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? 岂不也把万物和他一同白白地赐给我们吗? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. 谁能控告神所拣选的人呢? 有神称他们为义了。Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us. 谁能定他们的罪呢？有基督耶稣已经死了，而且从死里复活，现今在神的右边也替我们祈求。Who will separate us from the love of Christ? 谁能使我们与基督的爱隔绝呢？ Will tribulation or distress? 难道是患患难吗？是困苦吗？ Persecution or famine? 是逼迫是饥饿吗？ Or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. 这一切的事上已经得胜有余了。For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 因为我深信无论是死是生是天使是掌权的 是有能的，是现在的事，是将来的事，是高处的，是低处的，是别的别的受造之物都不能叫我们与神的爱隔绝。这爱在我们的主耶稣基督里的。As I have uh, meditated about this portion of God's word，当我默想这段经节的时候，there are a number of things that have come into my heart。有一些事情就临到我的心中。
We will notice that Paul asks four questions. Now remember, this is at the end of chapter 8. He's already set before us so many wonderful, wonderful truths. But this is his climax. To his doctrinal portion of this letter to the Romans. So we don't find doctrine here. To me, brothers and sisters, this is a declaration, a proclamation of worship. He's not trying to teach us something. He's trying to focus our hearts on one wonderful thing. And that's this amazing love of God. So he asked four questions. And then he makes a wonderful encouragement. And then he shares with us a deep, deep conviction of his own heart. So let's begin by looking at these four questions that he asks. He begins in verse 31. What shall we say to these things? Now you know it would take us a long time to enumerate all these things. Let me try to summarize it in three areas. I think Paul is referring to all that he began to say back in chapter 1 and verse 17. When he's talking about the gospel. The gospel of which he's not ashamed. Because it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes. To the Jew and to the Greek. And then he says, in this gospel, the righteousness of God has been revealed from faith to faith. So beginning in verse 18 of chapter 1, Paul begins to explain all of these things. And I see them under three categories. Now, it's biblical language, and it's not language we normally use day by day, but it's important language for us, because now we can understand in practical terms what it is that God has accomplished for us. What are all these things that Paul is saying, what do we say? What is our response? What is your understanding of what God has done? So he begins with this matter in chapter 3 about justification. Now he has used the first two chapters, beginning in 118 through 319, to talk about the seriousness of the issue of sin. Now you know sometimes, my dear brothers and sisters, we who have been forgiven of our sins, sometimes begin to allow it to become something normal, something common. Something ordinary. But I think what Paul wants us to understand in those two chapters, there is nothing common about sin. It is a very serious matter. It's a serious matter to our God. He is a holy, righteous God. And He cannot rest, my brothers and sisters, until all evidence has been removed from this world of any sin at all. I think He will be satisfied when the only evidence that there has ever been sin in this world are in the hands and feet and the side of his son. Which are symbols of the great love of God. So brothers and sisters, please, 
Don't allow yourself to go to sleep in reference to this matter of sin. All we have to do is look at the cross. And have some understanding of what was transpiring between the Father and the Son. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From eternity, they had been in this perfect union. And now something is happening. But you and I will never be able to explain. It. We will never be able to experience it. So we can't take sin lightly. When we realize what it costs for us to be forgiven of our sins. One of these things that Paul is talking about. Is us being justified. Justification. Declared righteous by this holy righteous God. Because our Lord Jesus became the sacrifice. On the basis of that sacrifice, God can righteously say to you and me, You have never sinned. There is no evidence of your sin. It's cleansed. It's gone. This is the meaning of justification. Because our Lord Jesus Christ has become our righteousness. He doesn't give us righteousness. He is our righteousness. And that means we in the sight of our God are just as righteous as our Lord Jesus is. So we need to be careful, my brothers and sisters, how we identify ourselves. You know, sometimes we like to talk about just being a sinner saved by grace. But I think we need to be careful. Because nowhere in the Word of God do I ever find God calling His children sinners. He calls them sons and daughters. So when you and I believe in the Lord Jesus, it's true we are sinners. But that's not how God identifies us. We are His sons and daughters. And we stand before Him as if we had never committed any sin at all. So let's be careful about our false Modesty. So every one of us here know that we are sinners. We have evidence to prove it. But that's not the way God sees us. If He looks at us outside the blood of His Son, then He sees us as sinners. But hallelujah, my brothers and sisters, He doesn't see us outside of the blood of His Son. He sees us in Him. And therefore we are just as righteous as He is. This is God's great salvation. This is what Paul is saying. What do you say to this? What is your response to such a great salvation? That provides you a total, complete, eternal forgiveness. Justified. God can never hold you accountable again for any stupid thing that you do. Any act of rebellion. He is a righteous God. And He's going to go on the basis of what His Son accomplished. And even though there seems to be evidence for God to accuse us, he cannot. Because he looks at the blood. And on that basis, he says, justified. As if you had never committed any Brothers and sisters, are we living in the good of this? Is, is this more than a doctrine to you? Is it more than a biblical teaching? 
你要说什么呢？When is what Paul talks about in Romans 6. Now what is involved in sanctification? You know we can't spend much time here. But you know after we're forgiven, there's still a lot of work to be done. Amen? Amen? I didn't, wasn't very loud. There's still a lot of work to be done. Amen? I'll say it for you if you want to And I can even ask some of your friends and your brothers and sisters, and they would give a loud amen. Now, who's responsible for this? You can do it yourself. Now, let's not forget. God's goal. Romans chapter 8. Verse 29. We have been predestined. conformed to the image of His Son. Romans 8.29. Those, those whom He foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, brothers and sisters, this is part of those things that Paul's talking about. I feel sorry for us if we have not taken time to consider this matter. I think if you are halfway honest with yourself, if you look honestly at who you really are, and especially when you turn and look back at your conduct, even after you've been forgiven, have you discovered that being forgiven is no guarantee that you won't sin again. Have you discovered that? Probably if you have taken seriously what God is doing in your life. God has so arranged your life where you have discovered for yourself what Paul discovered in Romans chapter 7. I know that in me, in my flesh, there is no good thing. Now, we may say that about others. But you say that about yourself? Have your eyes been opened to see your hopelessness? Even if you understand what God's goal is, what His objective is, is to conform you to the image of His Son. Can you accomplish it? Have you been trying? Have you been trying? Have you gone through Romans 7? Trying to make yourself perfect by keeping the law. If you are a serious follower of the Lord Jesus, if you haven't already been through Romans 7, if you're seeking to be a serious follower of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit will lead you through Romans 7, where you will discover for yourself that you are totally hopeless and helpless 
可怜的人是一个完全失败的人。假如说你可以活一百岁，然后活这个一千次。那上帝有什么math I don't know either. But you know it's a long time. Let's suppose you lived a thousand lifetimes of a hundred years each. And you spent twenty-three hours every day trying to make yourself like Jesus. How you doing? You doing okay? You're a total failure. Of eliminating the influence of the old Adamic nature, and taking the life of Christ that's in us, and conforming Christ in us, through transformation, we become conformed. Formed. Conform and transform, and conform. Oh, brothers and sisters, only God can do this. But it is one of these things that Paul is talking about. Conform to the image of the Son of God. Oh, my dear, dear brothers and sisters, this has become so real in my heart. Maybe it doesn't mean much to you. But it means a great deal to me. That the Word of God tells me that by God's doing, one day I will stand before Him and He'll be able to look at me and see nothing but His Son. Oh, hallelujah, brothers and sisters, to be free of all of that which is not like our Lord Jesus. This is what Paul is talking about. Fully, totally, perfectly conformed. That when he looks at us, he sees his son formed in us. Where he can say, I'm just as pleased about you as I'm about my own son. I don't know how the angels are going to respond. But it's somehow when it's my turn to stand before him. And I hear him say to me, This is my beloved son. In whom I'm well pleased. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is a reason for us to rejoice. And only he can do it. But it's one of these things that Paul has referenced to. Now, in reference to this matter of sanctification, it seems to me there's another aspect to it. Because in verse 30, Paul says that those whom he justified, he also glorified. Again, I want us to be encouraged. I know you busy New Yorkers. You have convinced yourself you don't even have 24 hours in your day. You think you only have 18 hours. Because you keep saying, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. Well, you were believing a lie. Last time I checked, there's still 24 hours in the day, even in New York. You need to take charge. You need to find a time and a place to get alone in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And begin to open your understanding. God's goal for us is to be glorified. Not just to be forgiven sinners, but to be sanctified 
然后要成就你。然后得荣耀。And when our Lord Jesus comes back to this world, well, if it doesn't line up with what God, I suggest you throw your dream away. But if we read Revelation chapter 20, we discover that God has a real plan. And it's part of being glorified. When our Lord Jesus was glorified, what does this mean? Part of his being glorified was he was exalted to the right hand of majesty. Brothers and sisters, there is a human being, a glorified human being, seated in the highest position in the whole universe. He is king of all kings, he is lord of all lords, he is sovereign. And one of my favorite Portuguese words. Is soberano. Okay。就是就是有有他呃神的权威。Okay。Very what are we to be doing during the thousand years? If he has his way in our life, what will we be doing? We will be a part of the first resurrection. And we will reign with him. For a thousand years. Not floating around on a cloud. As our brother Lance Lambert help, likes to help us understand. You're not going to be floating around on a cloud. And uh, the angels bringing you good Chinese food every day. Every day is not going to be a Chinese feast. And it's not even going to be a Brazilian either. Brothers and sisters, we are going to have a place of responsibility. We're going to be seated with Him, ruling and reigning with Him. Now, God has to decide how we're going to fulfill that. But I plead with you this morning don't ignore your destiny. What God has destined you to be glorified means that you have been destined. To reign with the Lord Jesus Christ, first of all, in a, a thousand years. And then when you get to chapter 22, it's no longer just a thousand years, but how long? Forever. Ever. Kings and priests sharing the responsibility of the government of God in His universe. Now, brothers and sisters, please think with me. Where did we start? What were we when God found us? Helpless, hopeless, who were living totally for themselves. 
And then somehow, by his love, he invaded our lives. 但是借着他的爱，他就来攻击我们的生活。He imparted his the life of his own son to our to, into our lives. 他把他的儿子的生命赐给我们。And he began this wonderful work. 他就开始这个美好的工作。Having forgiven us of all of our sins. 他赦免了我们一切的罪。Now he begins this wonderful work. He begins this wonderful work of forming Christ in us, of conforming us to His image, preparing us for this great responsibility. To reign with the Son of God forever and ever. Now, what do you say to these? What do you say? You were a helpless rebel. You were an enemy of God. What do you say? That now He has destined you to sit with His Son on the throne of the universe. What do you say? Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Needs to be even louder, but I'm not going to ask you to do it. Okay? We should be louder, but I'm not going to ask you to do it. Okay? We should be louder, but I'm not going to ask you to do it. Okay? We should be louder, but I'm not going to ask you to do it. Okay? We should be louder, but I'm not going to ask you to do it. Okay? We should be louder, but I'm not going to ask you to do it. Okay? We should be louder, but I'm not going to ask you to do it. Okay? We should be louder, but I'm not going to ask you to do it. Now, offended, be you have to learn to be disciplined here and now. This matter of us being conformed to the image of Christ, it's absolutely necessary. That you and I learn to appreciate the difficulties that God allows us to experience. And we learn to find a way to get through. So the first question. What shall we say to these things? Our answer. Hallelujah. Now the second question. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Verse thirty-three. Now let me. I need to go back for just a second. Okay? Because Paul underlines this first question. So Paul, here,特别注意这一段。他关于什么要告诉我们。他关于什么要告诉我们。他关于什么要告诉我们。他关于什么要告诉我们。他关于什么要告诉我们。他关于什么要告诉我们。他关于什么要告诉我们。他关于什么要
Now I have an illustration in my heart that I hope will help some of us. Learn how to be good receivers. Now most of us here probably have seen a nest of baby birds. Only, only a couple days old. And there's three or four baby birds in this nest. But the mother and father or out. What are they doing? They're looking for food for, for the babies. So they're out looking for the food. <laughs> and then the baby birds hear mom and dad coming. Well, if we took a picture of the baby birds in that little nest. What do you think you would see? What are the baby birds doing? Huh? <laughs> One sister said <laughs> Is that the way you see yourself? Are you that kind of a receiver? Are you open to everything God is prepared to give? So please, my dear brothers and sisters, don't stop considering just the fact that you've been you have been forgiven. You become as we will fellowship at Harvey Caesar, we have become heirs of God. We inherit God and who all He is. But if we don't become good receivers, it's not that He will stop giving. We will be the ones who stop receiving. And we can appeal to us, no matter how old you are. As a matter of fact, the older you are, the more you have walked with the Lord, the more you should be able to receive. Because there's one great lesson the Lord has to teach every one of His children. For us to be good receivers. We're so self-confident. We think we can do it on our own. We don't realize that when we do that, we close the door. Blessed, blessed Holy Spirit is here among us. And hallelujah, He's inside of us. Trying to take all there is of Christ and make it practically available to every one of us. So God is going to continue to give. Be good receivers. Second question. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Verse 33. Who will? So what's our answer? On the basis of what Paul tells, talks about in earlier chapters in Romans. If God has justified us, then who's going to bring a charge against us? Nobody. That should be your answer. Who? Nobody. Not Satan. Not your friends. Or your enemies. Or even your own conscience. Can bring a charge against you. But you say, I don't feel... I don't feel forgiven. I feel guilty. If you have sinned, you should be guilty. You are guilty. But as the Lord made a provision, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So brothers and sisters, even if you have sinned, you still don't need to have a charge against you. You can go to this righteous God. Acknowledge what you have done. Ask for his forgiveness. Plead the blood of his son. And as if you never committed any sin at all. Now let's be very, very careful. We are not suggesting for one, what's this word our brother Christian uses? Um, not a millisecond, a uh, second. Nanosecond. Nanosecond. <laughs> <laughs> A nanos, not one nanosecond can you allow yourself to think it's okay to sin. You never have the liberty to sin. Because God has made a provision for you don't have to. 
Acknowledge it before the Lord. So that there is no one who can bring a charge against you. If God says you're not guilty, Hallelujah, brothers and sisters, we're not guilty. No matter what anybody, including yourself, says, on the basis of the word of God, you're not guilty. You have never sinned according to the word of God. So who can bring a charge? Who can bring a charge? Hallelujah. Now, the second, the third question. The first one is a what, the second one is a who, the third is a who, and the fourth is a who. Okay? Who is the one who condemns? Now you know in verse 1 of Romans 8. Paul makes a wonderful, wonderful declaration. There is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, my brothers and sisters. There is no condemnation. Now, in my understanding, what this word condemnation means, it certainly includes being condemned for any sin we've committed. But for me, there's another dimension to this. Because like we mentioned earlier, after we've been forgiven, we find it impossible by ourselves to stop sinning. We find it impossible to make ourselves like the Lord Jesus. So how do we feel? You feel condemned. You feel hopeless. You feel like you can't do it. Some of us even want to throw up our hands and quit. But that's a good place to come to. Isn't this where Paul came to? Oh, wretched man that I am! Who will set me free? Who will set me free? Thanks be to God, to Christ Jesus my Lord. And now he says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Nobody should be able to say to you, there's no hope for you. Even after some of us know the forgiveness of our sins, some of us make it very, very, very difficult for the Lord. And normally, most people would forgive up, would give up on us. They would say, you're a hopeless case. How many times does it take for me to change you? hallelujah, my brothers and sisters. There is no condemnation. Jesus is the one. Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. And hallelujah, what does he do? Hallelujah. He intercedes for us. I think what we will discover, my dear brothers and sisters, when we get there and look back, 
I'm assuming we will be able to look back. Maybe there will be no need to look back. But when we get there and look back, oh my dear brothers and sisters, what we will discover, the reason we made it through these difficult times, the only reason we are qualified to sit with Him, even when your brothers and sisters didn't pray for you, even when you didn't pray for yourself. Oh, hallelujah, there is one who intercedes. Hallelujah, He's seated right there next to the Father. He just whispers in his ear. He intercedes for us. Oh, brothers and sisters, what do we say to him? What do you say that God hasn't just forgiven us? The Lord continues to cry out on our behalf. Even after having been crucified, and even though He's seated at the right hand of Majesty, oh, hallelujah, brothers and sisters, His love for us continues. And out of His love, He intercedes, He prays, He beseeches the Father for us. What do we say to these? Hallelujah. One last question. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Who? Nobody. None gain? Yeah, none gain. Nobody. Sure I learned at least one Portuguese word. Nobody. Why? Because this love is a sovereign love. It's not the love of human beings. This is a sovereign love. This is divine love. Oh, love that will not let me go. I rest my weary soul in thee. Have you done that? Have you done that, dear brother and sister? Have you seen, has the Holy Spirit opened your eyes to see that you have been loved with a love from which nothing can separate you? Nothing can take you out of your father's hand. There's no one stronger than him. There's nothing stronger than God's great love. And we have been loved with this love. Now maybe some of us think we made a mistake. When we opened our heart and allowed God to begin to love us. Oh, brothers and sisters, it's a terrible thing to be loved by God. Now what am I saying? His love is so possessive. It's a jealous love. He will never ever stop loving you. No matter what you do, you can refuse His love, but that doesn't mean He's going to stop loving you. So you're the fool if you continue to refuse it. Not even you can separate yourself from the love of God. Now you can close the door, but that doesn't mean when you open the door, Love is not there. Is there waiting? His love is there waiting. And so all he's waiting for you to do is to open that door. Has something happened in your life that you haven't understood? Something that, I don't know, just was a great puzzle to you. And you are accusing God of not loving you. I remember in 1969. I was flying on an airplane from Louisville, Kentucky to Islip, New York. And I was sitting beside a man who was reading a newspaper article. And he was reading this article about an accident that happened between a father and his son. 
他读到这个新闻里面就说到这个父这个一个个爸爸跟儿子之间发生的事情他们有一个意外他在那边除草的时候 what kind of a God could do that? Some of us ask you what he was talking about. And he explained to us. But brothers and sisters, sometimes we can have some experiences in our lives. And because of our limited ability to assess things, we falsely accuse God. Nobody。没有一个人。Nothing。没有一一件事情。不是患难不是困苦不是患难不是困苦不是患难不是困苦不是患难不是困苦不是患难不是困苦不是患难不是困苦不是患难不是困苦不是患难不是困苦不是患难不是困苦不是患难不是困苦不是患难不是困苦不
And so what do we have to do? We need to be aware of this. We need to become reality to us. Then we begin to put it in practice. So even this next week, some of you will go through some very difficult times. So on the basis of God's word, what should you do? Right in the middle of the circumstance. When the difficulty is the severest. What do you do? You pull a Jonah. You remember when Jonah was in the belly of the whale? Did he invite some other friends and have a pity party? Is that what he did? Now, I don't know how he knew the direction Jerusalem was in. But he turned toward Jerusalem and he began to worship. What happened? What happened? He ended up on the beach. Now, he was in a hopeless situation. I think, I think the fish was probably bigger than he was, right? <laughs> And he is caught in this impossible situation. But somehow, somewhere in Jonah's heart, there was some understanding about who God was. And he turned and began to worship. Our brother Devon Framke spoke to some brothers and sisters in Brazil because they were going through a very difficult time. And he said to them, learn to tickle the belly of the whale. Are we learning, brothers and sisters? So what does James tell us to do? When we encounter all of these trials, what does the Word of God tell us to do? Consider it all joy. Please, brothers and sisters, let the Holy Spirit register something deep in our hearts. Now you remind me of this, okay? Because I need to be reminded of this. But in the midst of the situation, God hasn't stopped loving you. Not one bit. If anything else, if there isn't any degree of His love, it's like He opens the, the faucet even fuller. Some of us can testify this morning of God's great love. In times it seemed like impossible. When you, when you feel like there is, you don't want to even go on another day. And you find yourself faced with situation after situation that brings such great agony into your heart. And I can just testify from my little bit of experience. God's love comes into that situation. And I can't explain it. All I know is it happens. And you and I need to learn to let it happen on a more continuous basis. Don't try to pull it off on your own. Don't be foolish. All of this has been abundantly supplied. So finally in verse 31. 30 in 31. I'm sorry. Verse 38. You need to read Second Corinthians chapter eleven sometime. When there's a long list 
all the different experiences this dear brother went through. And I think it's on that basis he can say to us, For me, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor principalities, I mean, neither angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing are able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. Now, when you begin to read Romans chapter 8, Paul begins with, there is no condemnation. And he ends the chapter with, Oh, brothers and sisters, may God in His great mercy unveil to our hearts the of what has been provided in our Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we say to all these What do we say, brothers Maybe some of you can take and voice for the rest of us our thanksgiving, our praise, our hallelujahs. 那也许我们当中有几位弟兄姊妹带我们感谢我们的主。